0: In the midst of me having some personal matters to deal with at the moment that are Fucking with my head more than I care to elaborate on to all of you There are at least the NBA playoffs and I am immensely grateful for that because it is one of the best distractions I could possibly ask for Um, I remember last year, the weird scheduling for the season, it made it to where the playoffs happened to begin a few days after Mikasa passed. And I needed that distraction more than I could have ever imagined. It was really a good way for me to just try and like, you know, not think about the, uh, the horrible brooding things that I normally do and just, you know be entertained and laugh at other people's miseries for once it's just it's such a really really good outlet for me and just like last year i'm really really thankful to have this in my life at this particular point in time it's really doing a lot of good for me um i I don't know where the playoffs will be at exactly by the time any of y'all hear this but i did want to say that the brooklyn pack is way up in the fucking sky right now that organization is in the shambles and they're not just in the mud they are the mud right now and i can't really help but just laugh at the all-time fumble that they took this year and i don't really have much else to say about them other than do better i guess all of y'all y'all's asses ben simmons back hurt so, moving ahead to this week's episode, we have, uh, singles from the likes of Boston Manor, Static Dress, Don Broco, uh, Architects, a couple of others we're gonna get to, and then brand new albums from Northlane and Ocean Grove. So, yeah. Thanks everyone. Enjoy this episode. I was actually really happy with how short last week's episode turned out, even with all the content I was able to put into it, so I kind of want to try to keep that going and make that uh, an occurrence again this week, so let's get into the new music. The number one ranked song in scenic overlook last week came from Boston Manor and it is the single Foxglove. Anybody who's listened to this show before or just knows me in general, uh, you probably already know the extent to which I simp for Boston Manor's music. Um, just, you know, genuinely, they've been one of the most important bands in my life ever since I first heard Welcome to the Neighborhood back in 2018. And even through Glue and Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, they've maintained a legendary status of myself. And what Foxglove does is it only accentuates and elevates where i already viewed boston manor to be at um this song is a complete fucking home run for everybody involved uh it's just like such a really cool and fun um like pop inspired song in some sections are like pop rock i guess just like um the flow to it the way that everything is able to bounce off of each other the elements i mean um, in the chorus, I especially love the way that Henry kind of enunciates the opening line with like expanding the syllables of these fucking problems keep following me. And then you go into maybe I'm the problem, maybe it's me, find me at the bottom because that's where I'll be. No one's invincible, I'm stuck in the middle. Um, I can always count on Boston Manor to deliver not only just some of the best sounding songs out there, but also some of the most meaningful. Some of the ones that I need to hear at the time that they drop them. And it, it, it's like Boston Manor has their fingers on the pulse of what is kind of going on in my brain and i don't know how they do it but i will always be immensely fucking grateful that they are able to do it brand new single out by static dress one of my favorite bands in the world right now the band that i gas up constantly on this show uh i'm gonna do the same thing right now for the new single flea house This is the final single ahead of their debut album, Rouge Carpet Disaster, out on May 18th, which is a Wednesday. I want to point that out because I still have yet to figure out what I'm going to do about that as it pertains to the day that the review goes up and what week flow it fits into this podcast. Uh... You know, I don't know if I'm going to drop the review on Wednesday or, or wait until the following week. You, you know, it, it's a weird mess, but I'm not complaining whatsoever about that specific day for Static Dress, and I will explain in a couple of weeks why May 18th, I think, is a really good day to release that record. Um, but what Flea House does just, you know, follows the trend of everything else of sweet and dissenter and such a shame. It is Static Dress operating at a level that they are way too fucking new to have already achieved. It's insane to me how good Saddress are just kind of quickly into their tenure as a band. Um, like, I first heard of them three years ago, and I feel like so many people have heard of them within a shorter time frame since then. And every time Saddress does something, it not only... Um, enables this nostalgic element within me when it comes to age post hardcore, but it just kind of also somehow um, expands on like the potential of the genre and the future of it and the placement that post hardcore revival, screamo revival, whatever you want to call it. The placement that that genre can have in the scene for not only this year or next year but the years to come and i think static dress has the potential above anybody else you know all the respect in the world to see space cowboy and risk me razor if i die first static dress to me is the band that is going to spearhead this movement for the rest of the time and i think flea house uh you know being as fast paced as it is the uh, uh, amazing cleans and screams on all the apple yards part um flea house is another example of sad address being one of the best bands in the world in my in my opinion the best post hardcore band out there today um to kind of go on almost the complete opposite end of the spectrum compared to sad address uh let me get into heart of gold and the new single leave just yet And along with this came the announcement that there is finally, finally, finally a full-length album from Heart of Gold on the way. Beautiful Dangerous is out on August 12th, and this immediately became one of my most anticipated records of the year. Um, Heart of Gold, for those who might not know, is the solo project of Michael McGough, the bassist and one of the vocalists of Being as an Ocean. And whatever perception you have of Being as an Ocean, uh, Heart of Gold is just way 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 outside of what that band operates in way outside of where i think the scene kind of operates in because heart of gold is to me at least pop music personified um they are just able to kind of utilize this sound that um it's not uncharted for scene music but I can't help but just appreciate anytime I get to hear somebody from a, a heavier project be able to showcase this kind of versatility, this kind of range. And uh, he's been doing it for a minute now. I remember back in 2019, the single Over Yourself, that was my first exposure to Heart of Gold. And I, I've not looked back ever since. I, I think this act is so just like necessary for myself right now because, you know, I, I cover a lot of like the heavier end of the scene. To get something very pop-based and like very mainstream, uh, you know, 70s, 80s, Synthwave inspired, um, I do not take that for granted whatsoever. Um so this kind of follows the same trajectory as uh Headache, Bright Lights, and Bad Habit, the other single so far off of the record, where the Leave Just Yet you know, it's the exact kind of song I could imagine playing on a radio, not just in contemporary times, but, like, all the way back to when I was, like, a really, really fucking small little, I'm still small and little, but, like, a really small little dumb, I'm still small little and dumb, a small little dumb child. It can be argued that I'm still a child. That got me nowhere, but um, my point is that Leave Just Yet is a fucking godsend of a pop song i love it so much i love heart of gold so much and i don't see why i won't feel that same level of passion for beautiful dangerous let's now take the time to get into brighter side by destroy rebuild until god shows We are getting closer and closer to June 17th and subsequently the first drugs album in over a decade. Um, There aren't enough words for me to really describe what Destroy Rebuild will mean to me. Uh, I say that in reference to the record, not the band, but I guess the same thing applies to the band at large. Um, So I've gone on the spiel before and I don't really want to get into it now. I'll save it all again for the album drop on June 17th. The show Rebuild Until God Shows is so important to me, and it means the world to me because of Craig Owen's involvement and what Craig's voice meant to me growing up as a teenager through his years in Chiodos. Um, With Brighter Side, how is this the, like, softest but also maybe the most chaotic song in the album rollout so far because with destiny and satellites in motion i felt like those two tracks just kind of gave you a straightforward clear picture of the more rock-based stuff that you can hear out of drugs and brighter side does the same thing but the initial like piano build that is very uh methodical in its pacing and how that is able to just kind of descend into this complete monstrosity of sounds later on. It's really, really re- remarkable to me how Brighter Side is able to show off so many sides of drugs that I already knew existed, but because it's been so long since they were a prominent act, it, it, it kind of felt like a reintroduction to them, a full, complete reintroduction in the ways that Destiny and Satellites in Motion couldn't be, despite both of them being incredible songs. Um, I, I, I kind of want to save everything that I want to say about drugs until June 17th, and I think I will, but just know that Brighter Side is a fucking spectacular song, nothing less I would have expected from drugs, and we are car passing by, car passing by. I promise this will stop soon, guys. I promise this will stop the car passing by stuff, all the outside distraction noises, whatever. Uh, let me wrap up drugs real quick. What was I saying about drugs? Other than gassing them the fuck up? I lost I, I lost everything, but um Brighter Side is an incredible song. I love it so much. I love Destroy, Rebuild, Until God shows. And come the middle of June, we are going to champion and celebrate the living fuck out of this band for good reasons uh no idea whatsoever that this song this following song was even going to happen when it did fingernails by don motherfucking broco <laughs> Again, total surprise for myself because it hasn't even been, like, that long since Don Broco last put out new music. Um, I believe Amazing Things, like, only recently just turned six months old, or it's about to. And if I remember correctly, there was, like, a year that separated technology from Half Man, Half God, but... You know, whatever, whatever the case is, I will gladly accept new Don Broco whenever they want to deliver because everything to that band's name is fucking quality. What I said earlier about Boston Man or in static dress, um, apply that times a goddamn million to Don Broco. Don Broco are legitimately one of my favorite bands ever and. It's always a treat for myself to be able to come on here and talk about them because of the passion that I can feel just, uh, you know, uh, exclaiming itself from my body, from my brain. Um, Broco are so important to me. They mean the world to me. Fingernails, I would say, like, this song, it, it falls... Almost perfectly in line with uh, amazing things. I don't think adventures too far away. Even technology, you can kind of trace this sound back to that. Um, not really automatic air priorities, but I feel like those two records kind of exist in their own realms per se. Um, fingernails, you get the entire Don package, the um, like very basic but powerful sounding instrumentation, the insane delivery by Rob Damiani. Um, just the, the calamity, the controlled calamity that is able to make up Don Broco's songs is ever so present on fingernails. And I, uh, again, I know it hasn't even been that long since Amazing Things. If Broco want to do something this year, if you want to drop an EP or a record, whatever the fuck album this year, do it. Fucking please do it. That is a dare. Do it, please. So here's kind of an interesting single for me to be covering on this episode, Synthwave Vegan by Vale of Maya. I can admit that I don't have the best track record when it comes to covering Veil of Maya's happenings on this show. Um, they had two singles last year, Viscera and Outrun, neither of which made any of my year-end stuff for like the top 100 songs or whatever. And I didn't give Outrun the spotlight treatment the week that it dropped, and... I, I haven't given myself all of the opportunities to really go in-depth on Veil of Maya and the talent that makes up this act, because it, they are incredible at what they do. Um, Synthwave Vegan did not just make a case for me to finally put them in the spotlight. It fucking demanded that I give this band their flowers. Synthwave Vegan is one of the craziest, most hectic songs I have heard so far this year, and it's a hecticness that I welcome. I really enjoy the complete fucking monstrosity that is Synthwave Vegan, and the way that it is just like so all over the place, and there's almost like, at least from what I hear, no real arrangement to it, yet it's so well constructed. It's just like this really, really weird song that is a contrast from some of the Veil of Maya stuff that I really, really enjoy. Um, Mikasa is my favorite Vela Maya song ever, not just for, you know, the reasons pertaining to my cat and things like that, or even the Attack on Titan character, but just um, the the musicianship found within Mikasa is just second to none, in my opinion, and Synthwave Vegan is so far on the other end of the spectrum from that track, because Mikasa is pretty straightforward in a lot of ways, and Synthwave Vegan is, again, just like so destructive in a lot of ways yet it is just also so good and compelling and it's hard for me to really sell heavier music because i don't really know the tolerance that some of you guys listening have for heavy music but i will say if you're into metalcore shit if you're into just like crazy ass weird mind fucks synthwave vegan go check it out you need to hear this genuinely must listen song And lastly, the final single that I will be giving uh, a spotlight to on this episode comes from, of all fucking bands, Architects, and it's called When We Were Young. (laughs) guys i just took off my hat right now and i'm looking in a mirror and my hair is getting fucking long again it's like lucas Woodland shit going on right now um anyways so when we were young architects um this was another complete surprise drop or at least that's how it was to me i had no idea that this was happening and i also had forgotten just how divisive architects became after for those that wish to exist because prior to that record it felt like everybody was in alignment that architects was the fucking band in the scene and what made me remember that there were some people who kind of stood on the opposite end of me for architects now was and i don't remember who said this but it was a tweet that said architects dropped the worst bear song and i saw that and i thought oh fuck what is this song what did they do what happened And then I heard it for myself, and I liked it. I genuinely like it a lot. However, I also acknowledge that this probably would have been my least favorite song on For Those That Wish To Exist, had it been part of that. There is nothing wrong with the track in my opinion, but I also don't really think it does too many exciting things compared to tracks on there like Black Lungs or Little Wonder or even Animals. I know Animals was ridiculously overplayed, and it just recently surpassed Doomsday to be Architect's most streamed song, which there probably is definitely a conversation to be had about that. But otherwise, I think what Architects are doing now, I'm a fan of. I actually do like this sound. It's a lot less heavy, sure. It's way more accessible, um not really in the way that bring me the horizon did it but it's something that like i don't really see how metal fans wouldn't be able to sink their teeth into this and maybe yes if you're you know strictly uh holy hell and all our gods have abandoned us then yes i understand where architects might be losing you now but just from my own standpoint I think they're doing an amazing job so far with this change in direction and I continue to support it. I continue to support the band and the members involved and there was nothing about when we were young that made me want to change my stance on that. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. WTF by 83 Hates featuring Kamiata Plus. Spiral by Abyss Watching Me. Bash Out by Citizen. Calling by Cold Rain. Fuck You, LOL by Corpse, Better Than You by Dead by April, Lovesick by Death by Romy, Fingertips by Drippin' So Pretty, Defeating Gravity by Future Palace, Cult by Hostile Array, Chemical by Immerse, Heartbeat by In Our Wake, Shifting Eyes by King Yosef, Only Paranoid by Life Awaits, Faded at the Symphony by Little Geronimo featuring Andres, Humans 2.0 by Lucius Arthur featuring Kamiata Plus, Happy Ending by Marigold and Monsters featuring Lil' Aaron. Under the Surface Acoustic Version by Maybe Someday. Panic Again Acoustic Version by MNYS. Shoulders by My Kid Brother. Memory Fracture by Nothing Nowhere. Stick to Silence by Parrish. BBB by Pale Dusk featuring Such. Where You Are by Pink Panthers featuring Willow. Nose in My Head. Noise in My- Holy shit, I typed nose in my head in the fucking reviews. Noise In My Head by Revoid, Dream by Shades, Bad Life by Sigrid featuring Bring Me the Horizon, The Impressionist by Tala, Healing Pool by The Safest Ledge featuring Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath, Misfits by Vanish, Dark Bloom by We Came As Romans featuring Brand of Sacrifice, and Never Found by Younger. So I want to say two things real quick. Uh, Dark Bloom by We Came As Romans featuring Brand of Sacrifice, even though I'm not giving that song its own spotlight because it's not a really a new song it's like a remake or a reimagining in some ways um holy shit that is a fucking song guys that was amazing i love that um the other thing there was a song this week that fell into red so for those who don't know if you get a four or five you have like this green outline in the reviews if you get a three you get a yellow outline if you get a one or two you get red And there was a song this week that I gave a two out of five. And I haven't done that in a minute, but it happened. Wild in the Streets by Hollywood Undead. It got a two because I think it's a two pack of ass. That song is just not it, man. There's something so just like off putting about the delivery of that song and the way that it's put together and just overall where Hollywood Undead stand right now. And that's a shame because um, only two years ago, there was a song that they put out. I don't remember the name of it. But it features Kellen Quinn, and I actually really, really fucked with it. And even some songs prior for Hollywood and Dead, like California Dreams or um, Gravity, like, those were good songs. But this new one, Wild in the Streets? No. Nah, I'm good. And that's gonna do it for the singles. We're gonna get into the only two albums from last week that I covered, or reviewed, rather, and I'm about to cover on this show. Um, both of them come from some a tier australian bands um australian music is so cool i wish australia was a real place um so the first one is going to be from ocean grove and it is up in the air forever So, here is where I last left off with Ocean Grove as far as, like, records go and that sort of stuff. Because it's actually a pretty big deal to me for a lot of personal reasons. So, Flip Phone Fantasy dropped, if I'm correct in remembering this, March 13th, 2020. Um, I don't know how many of you, just off of memory, would know what that week was meant to all of us, whether you realize it or not, because March 11th, two days prior, was when everything turned to complete shit as far as COVID went in the initial stages of the, not even the pandemic, this is like pre-pandemic, this is us not really giving a fuck about something that we didn't think affected us, and then it turned out to have affected us immensely. Um. So I remember March 13th, I was sitting at a Starbucks in the morning, and I had Flip Phone Fantasy as well as Underneath by Code Orange to listen to, and I was just kind of looking around me, and like hardly anybody was there, and I just had like this feeling in my brain of like, I shouldn't be here right now, like, I don't know what's happening in the world, We none of us really know, and all I can really do to try and like convince myself that everything is fine is... Listen to this new music because that's what I would normally do every Friday anyways. So I go through flip phone fantasy and that first listen was kind of tainted by the sense of impending doom or impending apocalypse. Because again, at that point in time, we didn't really know what the fuck was going on or what was going to happen. Now being in, I don't want to say post pandemic because we're not out of this, but at least in a world where the pandemic isn't the at the forefront of everything i'm able to look back on flip phone fantasy and realize that that was genuinely one of the most important albums of the not the year the decade so far for myself just for what it meant in that moment but then also the material found on that record i'm going to specifically name drop the i believe it was a lead single ask for the anthem um that is my favorite Ocean Grove song ever made, even with Up in the Air Forever, which we're going to get into in a moment. Ask for the Anthem is one of the most fun and just like charming and uh in some ways charismatic songs I've ever listened to. It just speaks to me in a, in a way that not many songs do because a lot of what I listen to, when I grow personal attachments to shit, it's usually through... Very brooding and sad means. I was actually listening to Slip by Vanish earlier, and the moment that acoustic intro comes in for that song, I remembered every negative moment I've ever attached to that song, and that's why I love it so much. Ask for the Anthem, there's nothing negative about that song whatsoever as far as it goes with my association. I love Ask for the Anthem. It is a perfect song. I think it is Ocean Grove embodied. And the sound that we're going to get into in a minute again. Ask for the Anthem is everything that I've ever needed to hear from this band. And that's kind of all I really want to touch on as far as like older Ocean Grove goes. Because I do need to get into the new material here. Um So the first taste of Up in the Air Forever that we got was Callie's Son. Which dropped back in November as lead single. And that song to me... What it did was it said that Ocean Grove weren't going to be expanding too widely out of the area that they crafted for themselves on Flip Film Fantasy. They had that like sort of modernized new metal and grunge type of sound that takes influence from like Don Broco and Incubus and some early 90s Seattle stuff. Um, and like not to make too much of a pun in relation to the name Callie's Son, but to me, this sounds like a summer song to the fullest extent of that phrase. Like, just, you know, fucking sun beaming down, music blasting, dumbass kids out of school doing dumbass kid bullshit. Like, that is the energy that exudes from Cali Sun, and I really admire it. Um, we then got Silver Lining back in January, and I, I think at the time... I expressed that this song was not only still in alignment with the Ocean Grove sound that I have come to know and love, but also my admiration for the way that this song was able to get across its positive and uplifting message in the midst of a worn down tone vocally from Dale Tanner. Um The third single, Sex Dope Gold, that one had similar tones to what I've already mentioned, along with a powerful fucking chorus that is so simple in its structure and format but the delivery of it exemplifies why i think ocean grove are one of the best bands at crafting that sort of stuff um and then getting into the new material for the record the opening song "Flava" that does to me a lot to show what up in the air forever is going to bring consistently in sonic terms um I love the almost rap-like flow from Dale in the verses, and how that transitions perfectly into another emphatic chorus. Um, Bustin' is probably, as of right now, my favorite from the batch of new songs that were not singles, because it is another instance of Ocean Grove relaying their fun side and the summer vibes I've been talking about. Like, it just feels so, like, I, I guess euphoric, and... It gives me this vision of, like, clouds opening up and making way for the sun while this weird-ass band narrates a soundtrack to everything about this upcoming season that I would like to enjoy. Um, HMU, which features Lil' Aaron, that song brings forth maybe one of the few gripes with this record that I can detail, which is that this song, to me, is way too short given its unique concept I think it's a minute 57 seconds long which is fine but I would have really loved to have been given more time to spend with something like HMU because it is quite different from the rest of the album and for that reason I just wish it was expanded upon a little bit more than it actually was and well actually looking at the track listing I am now remembering that Bored was a single but I wasn't treating it as such because it dropped the same week as the rest of the album um but I guess kind of to go into board now. That song, again, it highlights the fun nature of Ocean Grove and the grunge delivery that I think Dale has mastered vocally. Um, so that is followed by two songs, Noise and Silence. And my explanation for why this album works so well, in my opinion, it becomes somewhat repetitive at this point because what, what we see with Noise and Silence isn't really ocean grove innovating or doing something extraordinarily out of the box but rather they just continue to showcase what they're comfortable with and that's fine by me because they're really fucking good at that kind of stuff and then the closing song which is the title track up in the air forever it kind of takes like a little bit of a different pacing while still being able to have the swagger of every track prior on the album Um, I mentioned something before, I don't remember what song it was, but something about clouds opening up. This song kind of acts as if the clouds were, like, closing again. And that, in a way, signals that this is the end of the record, that, like, Ocean Grove opened up this new world for us, you know, at at the start of Flava. And then all the way through the ending of Up in the Air Forever, that world has kind of disappeared and we're now just back in weird-ass, dumb-ass, mundane, capitalistic society, but for the time that I got to spend in the world of Ocean Grove and up in the air forever, I was lost in it, and lost in all the best ways. I love this record. Um, I, I gave it a 9.5, and wh- what we're going to see with the two albums reviewed today are that my scoring for them was based on the idea that I might not have the full appreci- appreciation for them just yet. So there is room for this album and even the following one to grow into tens eventually. But right now, this is where I was comfortable leaving Up in the Air Forever at. Um it it's so like poetic for me on a personal level to have kind of been able to go from Flip Phone Fantasy through Up in the Air Forever. And the twenty-five months separating the two albums, the twenty five months that we have you know, been experiencing this weird ass pandemic that none of us ever anticipated. We didn't know how to navigate it. Maybe some of us still don't really know how to navigate it. Maybe some of us still have reservations and cautions about the way that things are going, but it just feels like, again, the pandemic is not over by any means. But for me, to get Flip Phone Fantasy the week that the pandemic started, and then now, up in the air forever, where things are relaxed now, maybe a little bit too relaxed, um, it's a good way for me to kind of stop where I am right now and look back and think about everything that I've had to endure over the last 25 months, everything I've been through, everywhere that I've gone, everyone that I've met, everyone that I've lost, and just kind of take in the the fun, loving nature of up in the air forever and for once not take everything so seriously and just be um a chill person i suppose like ocean grove made me happy for a little bit and i really can't ask for anything more from a band to be able to do and then now i'm gonna get into the second of two albums to talk about today obsidian by north lane <laughs> Alright, so, Northlane, 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 motherfucking Northlane. Um, okay, where do I even want to begin with Northlane? Because I feel like there's so much I can say, and I don't want to get into all of it because, um, not everything is relevant to what we're gonna get into with Obsidian. Um, so, Northlane, they're not, like, responsible for Gent, but I would consider them to be pillars of Gent, and, for those who don't know what Gent is, um, just think of like, okay, it, it's kind of weird to explain it if you've never heard of it, but it's very like chugging metalcore, like just, uh, you know, low tuned, weird instrumentals that are just kind of, uh, like stop and start in some ways. Again, it's really weird to explain it if you don't actually know what it is, so I guess I, if you don't know what Gent is, the best thing I can ask for you to do is just, google gent and listen to some stuff listen to the the bridge on edge of the earth by volumes listen to quantum flux by north lane let's you know just stuff like that um so with north lane what i can say now is i do not have the same level of attachment to this band that so many others do and that's not be- because like I've ever disliked North Lane in any way. I definitely have respected them the whole time. I've been um, admiring their abilities musically because th- they've been one of the best bands. Like, if we're talking just in terms of, like, what they've been able to structure over the last decade and a little bit beyond that, they have been one of the best bands in the scene. Have I appreciated them in that manner? No, definitely not. Because I just kind of always had like some bit of a disconnect between myself and gent um i was very very pick and choose with what i fucked with and listened to out of like that end of the scene spectrum because i just mentioned mentioned quantum flux i understand that that is considered to be like this monumental song and you know if you really fuck with quantum flux you have every right to do that i kind of don't I i think it's okay but like If I'm being completely honest with myself and all of you listening, the first time that I really looked at Northlane and thought to myself, like, holy shit, like, yes, they are it. It is them. Um, it was Mesmer. 2017's Mesmer, which was a surprise album drop back in March of 2017, and... I want to point out a song off of Mesmer called Citizen. Because Citizen is still to this day my favorite Northlane song. It's also kind of like really tame in comparison to what Northlane, you know, used to be doing. And what I think a lot of people associate Northlane with being. But Citizen is so important to me in a lot of the same ways that I just talked about with Ask for the Anthem by Ocean Grove. Because I can remember being in my second semester at the college that I eventually graduated from, and just kind of sitting down, waiting for class to start, and Citizen had just dropped, and I checked it out, and it was like, just, you know, this cool ass metalcore sound, like, consuming my body, consuming my surroundings, and all of a sudden, nothing mattered to me outside of Citizen. If I'm keeping a stack with all of you, I might not have even gone to class after I heard Citizen. I might have thought, this is it. Like, I'm just going to listen to Citizen. And that's not a good thing. Don't skip class. But I did it in the name of Citizen. And then after Mesmer, Alien was the next full-length project from Northlane. Alien having dropped back in 2019. I believe August, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Alien fucks. Alien is Amazing. And it's definitely not the same album as Mesmer. It is more in alignment with what Northlane were doing with more of their gent based stuff. But Alien is just the perfect dark, like industrial type of metalcore that I don't usually go out of my way to hear. I don't often get that from bands. But when Northlane gave it to me in the form of Alien, it was just so consuming in the best ways possible. Um, I look at Jin off of that album and I think like that is as close to Citizen as I could imagine Northlane getting for my own personal taste. Um, in terms of like what from this band I really fuck with because Jin has one of the like simplest but also just craziest and mind warping breakdowns I've ever heard. It is phenomenal. And the way that Marcus Bridge is able to kind of just like open himself up and become so vulnerable on Alien and just emphasize all of these human points that, you know, a lot of other people have probably been able to connect with, but it's hard to really understand what you're feeling and what you want to resonate with people until you hear somebody like Marcus speak it. And that is my what was my biggest takeaway from Alien. So, getting into Obsidian, this was one of those albums where the lead single, at the time, we didn't even know it was going to be the lead single for something, because Clockwork dropped back in, like, either February or March of 2021, I think I'm right in saying that, Um and it was, I believe, made for Rainbow Six, something Rainbow Six related, and, okay, so... I did not appreciate Clockwork enough back when it dropped. I heard it and I thought, oh yeah, it's really good. You know, I, I didn't think much else, but I just thought, yeah, it, it's good. It's fucking amazing. And I realized that not suddenly last week. It was somewhere like towards the middle of 2021 where like I was able to look at Clockwork and understand like what it meant to me and what it was going to mean to me for a very, very long time. Um Just the the delivery on the chorus it it kind of did set the stage in some ways for Obsidian. Um, it's one of my favorite Northlane songs ever made. One of my favorite like constructed Northlane songs in terms of just like how um, that gente breakdown is able to come in so seamlessly and transition back into the chorus again seamlessly. Um, Echo Chamber would have been where the announcement for Obsidian came from. Echo Chamber was either in August or not August October or November of 2021 song and i very vividly remember being in a starbucks hearing it for the first time and thinking to myself like hey this really might be number 1 in cinaver like this week and it wasn't it might have been like third maybe maybe second i don't remember precisely but i do remember coming on this show and saying that Echo Chamber reminded me of The Hand That Feeds by Nine Inch Nails, and it still does. It still has that kind of energy exuding from it, but I actually kind of fuck with it more than The Hand That Feeds, and I really like that song to begin with. Echo Chamber is just so catchy and energetic while still being able to show off the heavy nature of North Lane that that has made them who they are, predominantly. Um, The next single after that was Plenty, which... Similarly to Clockwork, I didn't appreciate enough be- because I don't really know why I just didn't. But Plenty has some of Marcus Bridges' best work with his cleans. Like I, I can't emphasize enough, like just how epic he sounds in his delivery on Plenty, and then Carbonize the single thereafter. That song was very, very bouncy, and it had this. New Metal Flair that I really enjoyed hearing be tackled by a band like Northlane. So if we get into the new material off of Obsidian, Clarity is the opening song, and I fucking love the extended intro that it has while highlighting Marcus' delivery of the hook, Clarity, Don't Let Me Down, and how that builds into this ferocious metalcore song with, like, no trouble whatsoever. Um, Abomination shows off some of the industrial and electronic elements that I already mentioned. Electronic elements, for that matter, that made up Alien, but at least to me, they're kind of looked at with a slightly different scope on Obsidian that makes way for some amazing melodies. Is This a Test is very similar to Echo Chamber in the sense that it's a safe play of a song from Northlane while having that hand that feeds energy to ex- execution, But again, similarly to Echo Chamber, I think Is This a Test is fucking amazing and just another bit of like the range and the versatility that Northlane have been able to show, uh, very effortlessly over the last number of years. Zen is my favorite song on the album as of this recording and, you know, that could change with more listens, but there is this weight carried by Zen that manages to elevate it in a way that I can't necessarily identify with other songs on Obsidian. And, you know, maybe it's the giant sounding instrumentation in the chorus that accompanies Marcus' amazing vocals. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's still the heavier stuff from this song that is able to grip me. But whatever it is, it's got me in a chokehold. I fucking love Zen. Um, and on a personal level, it, it kind of reminds me of something that I would have heard on Sonic Adventure for some reason. I don't really know why that is the association that I made, but I did. So, you know, I guess that's where another bit of that connection can be coming from. Cypher takes on more of that cybernetic metalcore sound that, you know, by this point, Northlane have, like... They, they've not only mastered it, but they have taken complete control of it. And another cool thing about... Cypher, to me, is that this song and its arrangement, it doesn't really change dramatically between Marcus' screams and his cleans, and it's just like as if this song perfectly fit him like a glove no matter what it is that he's doing. Nova is a complete turn for the album's sound, since this song showcases a softer side to North Lane that embraces some piano elements mixed with the electronic stuff that I've already gone into. It was just like kind of a mindfuck of a song, but a welcome mindfuck. Is that an oxymoron, welcome mindfuck? I don't know. Um, Inamorta. Instrumentally, it doesn't really steer too far from the rest of Obsidian, but it's a song that is carried largely by Marcus Cleans, and I think that if anything, this song acts as a case for why he should be given more space to do that on future projects. Um, the title track Obsidian, which has the penultimate placement on the album, it is the last instant on the record where listeners can get the full-fledged, you know, heavy, metalcore, genty Northlane. And I say that because the album closes with Dark Solitaire, and Dark Solitaire, genuinely, guys, is one of my favorite closers of the year so far. Like, I I hear that song, and I just think, like... Everything that Northlane had been doing on Obsidian, it built to this point. Everything was meant to get them to Dark Solitaire, and the pacing of the song, the atmosphere set by it, the way that it is both unsettling and comforting at the same time, Um, the very like Black Hole-esque kind of outro, and the way that I think it perfectly mirrors the intro section to the opener clarity, and that realization at that point that, like, holy fuck, Northlane- bookended this album in the most grandiose way they could have possibly, and it added a layer of appreciation to an album that I have infinite appreciation for. I did see some, not a lot, but just a small little bit of discourse on Twitter, Metalcore Twitter, you know how it be, you know how it goes, where some people were calling this album boring. And I guess if you're like so into and after that, heavy metalcore gent sound of north Lane, that progressive metal sound then sure maybe this album is not for you but for somebody like myself who you know after hearing mesmer and alien and like uh the two sounds constructed on those on those records being able to get something that is almost a perfect amalgamation i i couldn't have asked for anything else out of obsidian Without really knowing it, this was the exact record I wanted from North Lane. Do I think it's perfect? I don't know. Maybe it is. Again, like similarly to Ocean Grove. I went with a a 9.5 because I understand that there's probably room for this album to still grow. Even if it feels like it's already peaked. Because it's amazing. And you know... I've gone back to Zen. I've gone back to Inamorta. I've gone back to Nova. I've gone back to Clockwork and Echo Chamber and, and Plenty, Carbonized, Dark Solitaire. So many songs in this record have been in my rotation for the last week because there's no escaping it. Like some of these songs are just able to kind of like have a grasp on my brain and it's done in a way that makes it to where every bit of inadvertent disrespect i showed to north in the past i have been trying my fucking best to make up for it for last week because they have earned that out of me through obsidian this album is incredible i enjoy everything about it all of the weird elements that make it up weird elements that i wouldn't have traded for anything obsidian is amazing genuinely i love it and that's it that was every album and single for me to review from last week and i'm gonna close out this episode by kind of reiterating some stuff i said at the end of last week's in the case of there will be some changes happening in my personal life soon uh nothing bad don't worry about me guys i'll be okay um but it's some stuff that has been a long time coming and i don't really know when it's all going to happen but when it does happen i will elaborate on it on here on this show with you guys i will let you all know about it just right now, I ask for some space to, you know, take my time with the process of reviewing albums and singles and EPs and then seeing go Overlook and the podcast, just everything that I do because it's very time-consuming, guys. Like, please do not think that I'm able to just open my laptop and it's like, oh, click, click, I'm done. Here, here's this week's content. No, it's very demanding. It's very taxing, but I enjoy it. I like having this platform. I like being able to have a space for me to explain why this dumb music means the world to me. And if any of you guys get any bit of enjoyment weekly out of my random escapades when it comes to scene music, I genuinely cannot thank you guys enough. Like, seriously, you keep me going. All of you. Even if you don't think you do, you do. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse... Let's make a scene.